The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi portfolio managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good morning, my friends. Welcome to the show about money. Here we are in the month of August, getting set to, well, enjoy the last month of the summer, and of course, all eyes are on September. Uh, kids are going to be going back to school, but it looks of things, some kids anyways, colleges will be operating a little more remotely, but uh, the change will continue, and uh, 2020 will certainly go down in the history books of a year of change. But uh, the good news is we're adapting, and uh, we're dealing with the situation, the crisis at hand. Uh, the death toll continues. The tragedy continues without question, Uh, but modern medicine science uh, is feverishly working on a solution, and uh, there is certainly optimism in the rain. Uh, It looks like Canada is negotiating a deal with Pfizer for vaccination. The United States has done the same. Uh, There's over 100 uh, drugs in the pipeline uh, going through various clinical trials. Uh, so there's optimism, my good friends. Uh, we are going to beat this one way or another. Uh, and certainly there will be uh, aftermath uh, for some industries that won't be so pleasant. But other st- industries are certainly thriving without question. Um, good morning to you. Uh, Wolfgang Klein here for the cause. Jack Hartle in for the cause. Uh, we've got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to uh, do what Jack and I do best. We're going to do our job. We're going to work and part of our job is working with our team. Uh, Jack and I have an amazing team uh, around us to help us make very good investment decisions on behalf of our clients. Uh, a key member to that team is Martin Robert. She's our North American quant strategist. Uh, Martin has been frequently a guest on Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, always has brilliant insight uh, into where we are in the market cycle and, more importantly, where uh, we can expect to go uh, in the coming months. Uh, good morning to you, Martin. Yeah, good morning, uh, Ralph, and good morning to your listeners as well. Ralph? That's good, Martin. <laughs> My French-Canadian friend. It's Wolfgang, buddy. Uh, but that's okay. Oh, sorry. That's okay. I've been called worse than Ralph. Um, Captain Jack, what do you think about that, pal? That's a first, Wolf, but uh sounds pretty good. We'll, we'll go with it for now. <laughs> Ralph. Oh, good jolly. Uh, indeed. Well, um, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I hope you didn't Ralph uh, during the COVID market crises. Uh, uneasy, perhaps. But uh, if you hung uh, tight uh, and stayed the course, um, you're very, very satisfied. And, you know, I have to say, Martin, uh, Jack and I are very, very pl- uh, proud of our performance, our growth mandate. As of uh, Thursday morning, uh, was up just under nine percent for the year of 2020. Nine percent, uh, balance conservative up one percent. Our mutual fund accounts up, I think, five and a half, six percent. Not bad considering uh, what we have been through. Uh, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, and it, it, it makes uh, or it proves the uh, uh, the fact that uh, diversification, like. Uh, Especially for those uh, uh, 
running balanced mandates like bonds acted as a source of diversification uh, once again. So it's uh, it's all, always an important reminder to to uh, you know have a little bit of uh, of exposure in, in fixed income uh, uh, as well as in equities when uh, times uh, get uh, get tough. You know, uh, bonds would provide some some of the diver- diversification. Uh, obviously, uh, at current level, the uh, the source of diversification is is uh, obviously weakening, but it's still uh, year to date. Um, bonds have uh, have been a cushion to uh, to portfolios along with some sectors uh, that have done uh, relatively well owing to the pandemic. Yeah, without question. Uh, if you're just tuning in, uh, it is Hi-Fi Radio. I'm Wolfgang Klein. Good morning to you. We have uh, our chief strategist, the North American quant strategist, Martin Roberge, joining us this morning. We're going to be discussing, of course, uh, where the market perhaps is going to take us over the next couple of months. Uh, I guess the 100-day countdown is now on as we head into the U.S. election. Um, Biden versus Trump, Democrats versus Republican. Uh, Surprisingly, uh, contrary to uh, intuition, uh, the stock market performs better or has performed better under a Democratic um, uh, governance. Uh, Martin, can you speak to why you believe that may be the case? Why does the stock market do better with the Dems in power as opposed to the business-minded Republicans? Uh, probably the way that Democrats are uh, maybe running the, uh, the government's balance sheet. Uh, they are more conservative uh, or less liberal and they are more prudent in their approach to uh, to government spending, and uh, and the reason why, when you look historically at the historical returns under a Democrat or, or a Republican government, it's it's not so much the average return uh, that is different. It's uh, it's the risk. It's if you look historically um, uh, under Republicans, you'll you'll have much more or many more corrections. Uh, than under a Democrat uh, government. So uh, risk-reward, historically, um, the market will be a, a lot smoother under Democrats versus Republicans because under Democrats, uh, there are fewer corrections and uh, and bear markets, historically. Well, that, that would certainly be the type of market I think most of us would prefer. Less drama, smoother returns. Um, we're uh, going to take a quick break. Uh, it's Hi-Fi Radio. Good morning. I'm Wolfgang Klein, Jack Hartle, here for you as well. Two portfolio managers who really care a lot about your success. Uh, so much so, uh, we bring in the best to help us do our job. And we give you a sneak peek into how Jack and I view the world of finance and, and the tools available to us. Uh, today's guest, of course, is Martin Reberge, our chief uh, quant strategist. He focuses on the North American markets as to Jack and I. We're going to take a quick break and get right back to Hi-Fi Radio, Global News, Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. 
Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show about money. I'm Wolfgang Klein, portfolio manager, and Jack Hartle, uh, partner, portfolio manager as well. Uh, bring our chief North American quant strategist, Martin Rebelge, onto the show uh, to help us navigate uh, the next few months. A um, couple points I want to start with, Martin, and I want you to pick up uh, where I leave. And uh, that is, uh, I believe we're in a bull market. Uh, I was listening to our uh, U.S. Um, uh, strategist, Tony Dwyer's conference call uh, yesterday. And uh, in terms of his view on the market, it's very difficult uh, to put a valuation target on the equity markets right here, right now, because of the financial backdrop that we are currently seeing, one that is historic. And I'm referring to the central banks globally and governments globally throwing everything at the economy to uh, resuscitate it and get it back to where it was. So having what Tony calls an unlimited Fed and unprecedented government spending coming at the economy, uh, you have to remain bullish. The question is, how bullish? Uh, so here we are with the stock market bumping up against uh, 3300 on the S&P 500. Tech, of course, continuing to drive the charge higher. The NASDAQ making basically new all-time highs every second day. And then the S&P 500 is flirting with its previous high. Again, with this taking place, uh, if we get economic relief, if we start to see the spending ignite uh, in the real economy, uh, economic uh, recovery takes hold. That then plays well into the resource-type nations like Canada, which is trying to play catch-up. So there's a big theme here, Martin, with all that as a backdrop. Growth stocks, which are working, I'm talking DocuSign, I'm talking Apple, I'm talking FANG stocks, disruptive stocks, COVID-19 stay-at-home stocks, be it Zoom Media and the likes. That's what's been working. The value trade, um, be it the oils, or the industrials, i.e. the Boeings of the world, the airlines of the world, uh, the caterpillars of the world, that stuff still has not ignited. But you're starting to see the, the ambers glow a wee bit. Uh, so take us forward, Mart. How do you see the, 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 the rest of the summer and the fall playing out leading into the U.S. election and taking us to uh, perhaps a wonderful uh, year-end rally? Yeah. First of all, let's let's make it very clear uh, when it comes to gauging the stock market prospects and dealing with extended valuations. If you're a, a global investor, you you don't have to torture yourself in uh, in deciding or trying to guess if you know this is this is fair or not fair in terms of valuation. If you go outside the the U.S. valuation is not an issue. So that's, that's number one, okay? Number one, value, you're not going to torture yourself with valuation if you're willing to go outside the U.S. That's number one. Okay, so, Martin, let me jump in there, sir. What you're saying is the market globally outside of America is not 
expensive. That's right. Okay. Okay. Especially when you you compare like the uh, the earnings yield uh, versus the bond yields, which are m much lower uh, outside the U.S. and in Europe, as you know, they are even negative. Negative. So yeah. uh, so um, when we talk yeah. about the the uh, the uh, competition from from bonds outside the U.S., there's like there's no contest like. Equities are, are are winning the valuation debate uh, versus bonds. Uh, secondly, um, global equities have been um, historically uh, doing better in a weak U.S. dollar environment, and um, and uh, Tony and I have been very vocal about this uh, this weaker U.S. dollar, and uh, and uh, when we hear people again being concerned about the COVID infection uh, cases rising in the U.S. And how do we deal with this? As an investor, how do we deal with this? Well, this is another reason to go outside the U.S., okay? If you look at uh, cases outside the U.S., we're going down while we're going up. And you, we're going down outside the, uh, outside the U.S. because we've done a, maybe a better job at manage, managing the the uh, the the reopenings and the U.S. we were maybe a bit uh, too premature, and uh, now we're kind of feeling the price of that by pairing back reopenings, while in the rest of the world we're we're, we're just chugging along. So, when it comes to COVID risks outside the U.S., we are um, it seems like we're doing we're on the right track. So this is another reason why people should consider moving a little bit outside the uh, the U.S. and and secondly, as you mentioned, um, in terms of cyclicality, uh, it seems like global growth is is reaccelerating slowly but surely, and uh, equity markets outside the U.S. are more cyclical in nature than uh, than the U.S. equity market, which is dominated mostly by by, by technology and uh, what we call like mega cap uh, growth stocks, which which we expect. Uh, to continue doing well, uh, we we are moderating our optimism a bit. Like on on a scale of one to five, five being uh, fully invested in growth, we would probably go down to four. But uh, we 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 do expect to uh, to see growth continuing outperforming uh, value for probably the rest of the year. Um, considering that historically, you really need brisk economic growth like 2%, at least 2% plus GDP growth for uh, value stocks to work. And as we highlighted in a recent report, when you look at historical recessions, like the worst one historically, it takes about two quarters before growth reaccelerates. And that puts us in, in Q1 next year. So um, between growth and value, we, we, we're, we're still in the growth camp, but within value, this is where we have to make some some tilts or modifications, and we have to favor um, cyclical stocks over, let's say, uh, interest-sensitive stocks like financials, and we have to favor defensive uh, growers or defensive defensive stocks over uh, what we call like pure bond bond proxies, because odds are that bond yields are not going to go much lower than where we are today. Uh, very fascinating, Martin. You've covered a lot of bases. So, again, we jumped to a commercial break. 
Uh, it is Hi-Fi Radio. It's a delight to have uh, our chief North American quant strategist, Martin Roberge, uh, join us this morning uh, to help us uh, navigate uh, the growth versus value, stock versus bond, U.S. versus international. Oh, we are covering all the bases. Uh, you want to stay tuned. Please, a quick break. We'll get right back to you. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Radio. I'm Wolfgang Klein, host of the show and most importantly, portfolio manager, uh, steward of clients' wealth. And uh, Jack and I are very serious and focused on what we do. Um, and of course, it, it is official, by the way, uh, George Harrison invented the selfie uh, in about 1967 when he took a 35 millimeter camera and pointed it towards himself and took a picture right in front of the Abbey Road Studios. Cute little comment there, eh, Jack? Yeah, certainly quite interesting and uh, certainly quite a musician. I just wanted to um, go back to Martin here. Before the break, we talked about the importance of diversification, balanced portfolio. We talked about our portfolio returns. But uh, one concern I have right now, especially for retirees, is income and having fixed income. You know, 10 years at 50 basis points, Martin. What do you recommend for clients that need a a 60-40 split and want to have that fixed income allocation but, you know, really want more than a 50 basis point yield? Yeah, there, there, well, there are what we call alternative asset classes that are now becoming more accessible to uh, to, to clients. Uh, whether we look at um, like in, infrastructure is, is is one possibility. Um, uh, within the equity market, the uh, the uh, the preferred shares area is also is also another possibility to to juice um, returns. Um, and uh, obviously, like private equities and other alternative asset class, um, uh, I, I prefer advisors to work really hard at finding new uh, products uh, to limit the, the the equity exposure. Insert, insert, instead of trying to, to boost expected returns by boosting equity allocations, like moving from 60 to 70 because the fixed income is too low, like I don't think this is the right way. I think it, we have to like stop to like, uh, is it 55, 50, 60, whatever. It depends on uh, investors' risk tolerance, but there are alternative asset classes that should be, um, um, should be um, certainly analyzed and, uh, and like hedge funds is another area as well. Um, and those, those, those alternative asset classes should replace uh, some of the portion of of uh of bonds and portfolios and and don't forget like while yield, yields are are low at the, um, the government levels like some of the corporate debt uh, is, is is still providing about four uh, percent and if you look uh, in emerging markets uh, if we are right about this uh, weak us dollar environment um, well the emerging market uh, bond yields are 
are trading around five six percent. So um, so you can still capture some fixed income return if you're willing to go out like outside government bonds and and uh, outside outside like DM uh, DM bond markets. If not looking look, looking at other uh, asset classes such as again like private equity infrastructure. Uh, hedge funds, uh, preferred shares, that's another uh, possibility as well. Yeah, the one thing I would comment there, especially for the listener, when you when you start getting into those alternative asset classes, um, you really want to make sure that you do work with a professional advisor there because I, I know that uh, they do offer higher yield, but a significant issue that you potentially have with some of these, you know, whether it's preferred shares, um, if, it's, uh, if it's hedge funds or private equity, those types of things, you end up getting into liquidity issues, especially in times of crisis when you potentially need the money the most. Um, the one thing that we had throughout the crisis in March and uh, March and April was the fact that the, the portfolio that we had, especially in fixed income, it was professionally managed, mutual fund managers, um, and the fact that uh, we could look at it, we knew that we had liquidity um, for our clients in that product. So uh, in the crisis, you know, clients were down because, you know, we had a some equity exposure. We also had fixed income exposure, but we could actually say to clients, you know, you have five years of fixed income uh, cash available based on your current spending needs. So I do think it's important to make sure that that fixed income portion, uh, whether it's alternatives or traditional fixed income, uh, is liquid uh, based on client needs. I got to, again, have to jump in here because this is the toughest part of a portfolio. Uh, Again, uh, if you want balance and safety in your portfolio, the the bond of choice there is the one that is most expensive, and that's that government bond. Uh, and the more safety you want, the longer bond you want, which means the 30-year government bond. But the 30-year government bond has a ton of risk in it, uh, called duration risk, um, if and when interest rates go up. But if you want balance, that's the bond you have to buy. Uh, and again, that's the one that pays you the least. The corporate debt, Matt um, and I totally agree with you, uh, but when they turn the music off on the stock market, the corporate debt goes down almost as much, not quite. And the preferred share market, again, loaded with nuances, um, riddled with retail investors, not institutional investors. So the way Jack and I um, are playing that, uh, the preferred share market for our conservative clients only, is through Lysander, where we have a professional uh, fund manager uh, building us a portfolio of 30 or 40 different preferred shares as opposed to just having one or two in your portfolio because too often Jack and I have seen clients come transfer their accounts to us. They bought preferred shares at $25 on the new issue. And by the time it gets transferred over to us, that preferred share is worth $15. That's not the type of safety they're looking for. Hedge funds, those fees continue to be egregious. The two in 20 model, I can't get my head around. And then when you look at um, uh, uh, private equity, I'm just thinking about Rompsman. Uh, it's not private equity, but they are lenders uh, of debt to the construction industry, and they had to um, uh, gate their fund, i.e. reduce liquidity. So what Jack said is so important. Uh, when you hold alternative asset classes uh, and you're looking for safety, like if you're holding alt asset classes as a safer part of your portfolio, Top of the list in terms of requirements is that notion of liquidity. So again, Jack and I have spoken about this part of your portfolio, and you can appreciate, I think, better now how 
complicated it is. Again, this is not something you want to attempt uh, at doing yourself because there's just too many nuances and, and there's too much work required to do a proper job. You can always visit the website of Wolfgang Klein. Dot com. Jack and I are always here to help you. We're going to get a quick break and get right back to Martin Reberge. Uh, he's intrigued me every time I speak with him. He's going to continue to do so uh, for another hit. Uh, please stay tuned. Hi-Fi Radio on the Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. weekend and I want you to have a great weekend and uh, well it's the month of August uh, usually the volatility in the equity markets picks up right about now uh, we'll see uh, August September early October uh, certainly can be um, a little uncertain and I guess with this year's uh, presidential election uh, certainly the drama uh, will be heightened uh, now according to Martin Roberts he said to us a couple of uh, hits ago that uh, if the Democrats do uh, take the White House, um, we could perhaps be in for smoother markets uh, going forward. Um, Jack, I want to come back to you for a sec. Again, the um, uh, podcast that you uh, so uh, intelligently urged me to listen to that you spent a lot of time with, with Fidelity, um, reminded me and taught me a, a very interesting factoid that is when you come out of a recession, uh, the equity market on average, rises 80%. Um, are you aware of that, Martin? And, and Martin, I want you to speak to that. Uh, uh, again, it is a bull market. Uh, yeah, we have to admit, no one's saying that frequently enough. They're still talking COVID and uh, perhaps second wave. Um, but it's a bull market, and the market is pointing, well, the way we want it to point. It's certainly due for some kind of a pullback. But how far uh, do you think this uh, puppy can run uh, before we get ourselves into a economic contraction and, uh, you know, another bear market? Well, the, uh, it's going to be very difficult to find the next uh, bear market because historically those bear markets are often triggered by a tightening in, in monetary policy by, by central banks. And just a few weeks ago, uh, the Federal Reserve said very clearly that they're they're not going to do anything before probably 2022. So we have to look elsewhere and, and see if there was a change in liquidity, can, liquidity conditions, such as maybe uh, the, you know, the Federal Reserve buying less bonds, doing less QE, uh, or looking at monetary aggregates also, uh, which is another indication of liquidity. If we, we saw le- a, le- a leveling off in in, in, in monetary aggregates, that would be a sign that liquidity is, is contracting. Uh, so it's, it's going to be very difficult. But one, one thing is, is for sure, um, when we look at the, the valuation of stocks, um, in absolute terms, yes, it is expensive in the U.S., less so, much less so outside the U.S., so that's number one. 
Number two, when we look at the relative valuation of stocks versus bonds, um, the stock market is not overly expensive. And, uh, and we, ca- we calculated that if uh, interest rates were to remain below zero, uh, not sorry, not below zero, but below 1% for another year uh, or two, um, we could see probably 4,000 on, on the S&P, uh, again, assuming that uh, we have a typical earnings recovery uh, and, and bond yields not, not doing much uh, on the upside. And that's the key difference between 2009 and, and, and 2020, meaning that 2009 was the first year of a, of a recovery and following the, the great financial crisis, bond yields went up. So eventually the market kind of plateaued in 2010, 2011, and then got going again. But this time around, the fact that yields are not moving is allowing the, the market to expand its valuation a little bit more. And again, as we said, if we were to stay below 1% for another year or two, we could easily see the S&P up like <clears throat> another 10, 15% from where we are and probably another a 10 to 15% elsewhere also in the world uh, until there's maybe a, a valuation an argument to, uh, to lower equity exposure. That's very brilliant, Martin. It really, really is. And again, I, it, 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 it confirms what Tony, what Tony said to Jack and I on his conference call yesterday, that uh, valuation, the, the multiple of the market, it can, you, you can debate 25, 30, 35, when you have so much money, so much liquidity coming to the market. So I, I, I say to my friends at home um, that if you are doubtful about the market and are thinking of exiting aggressively, probably not the right thing to do. The Fed has our back. The strategists are telling us this market is going to work its way higher. Uh, adjust at the periphery, but all in, all out moves does not work. Jack and I have decades of experience. We've seen people attempt that move. We've attempted it ourselves, and it is almost impossible. As pros meant to get ourselves back on side, when you're not a pro at it, and, and it's just you fighting against your own inner self, ooh, that can be one battle I do not want to have. Um, uh, Martin Robert, just in the interest of time, uh, can you give us some quick final thoughts on uh, how you view the, uh, the world of money right here, right now, what Canadians should be doing? Well, the thing is that uh, so far we've seen the uh, the Canadian dollar uh, rising relative to the uh, U.S. dollar, uh, and we believe that 75 cents is is probably a a good level where we believe we 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 should stabilize. But uh, again, when it comes to making the push for international equities, uh, we can certainly view the possibility that going forward. Um, international currencies like the euro, the British pound, and even emerging market currencies appreciate relative to the Canadian dollar. So on top of capturing maybe strong equity market gains in international stocks, maybe investors will be able also to capture some currency gains because we have obviously an issue with the, the budget deficit. We have an issue with the current account deficit in Canada, while this is not this is not the same backdrop uh, in 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 Europe or in other areas of the world. Obviously, uh, budget deficits are have been rising because of 
of, uh, of the pandemic, but uh, current, account, um, current accounts are in much better shape outside like North America. So just wanted to leave you with this, this uh, opportunity for investors to, to benefit also from currency appreciation as we believe the euro will appreciate versus the, the Canadian dollar, the pound will appreciate versus the Canadian dollar, emerging market currencies as well will appreciate relative to the Canadian dollar. So this is uh, probably uh, something that we, we, we don't pay enough attention to, but I wanted to make, it, make, make sure that your listeners are aware of this possibility of, of currency appreciation in foreign markets. I, you know, I appreciate that advice. It's very sound, Martin. And again, um, Jack and I do subscribe to that thesis, um, uh, whereby when, when you diversify, uh, you, you can diversify multiple ways, uh, obviously by country, obviously by, country, um, by company. But when you factor in additional currencies into the mix, especially as a Canadian investor, it can, again, really reduce volatility and give you some surprisingly good hedges uh, every now and then. So I'm going to leave with Martin. So you do believe, again, Against the Canadian dollar, um, you, you can see some uh, the capital gain on a currency basis with the euro and the pound in your portfolio as well, i.e. buying some European equities uh, in European currency and then uh, being able to reap a currency gain as well on that, on that trade. Yeah, especially if there, there is a risk-off environment or a more difficult environment. As you know, Wolfgang, historically, the Canadian dollar is weak relative to all currencies. So... Uh, this is another way for for uh, for investors to uh, increase like the the hedges on their equity portfolios having more international equities. That's absolutely brilliant. Well, Martin, I want to wish you a great weekend. Uh, I want to thank you again for your time. Uh, our listeners uh, appreciate uh, your insight and thought. Um, and hey, uh, Martin, if you have some extra money lying around, perhaps you are going to uh, stay local, invest in a cottage, and buy yourself a boat. Uh, here in Ontario, that is a big, powerful theme. Uh, cottage country is uh, booming, and apparently so are the marinas. Uh, Jason Mortimer is going to join us. Uh, he owns Mortimer's Marine, uh, good friends with Jack Hartle. Uh, so two of them are going to talk about big toys uh, right after this on Hi-Fi Radio. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Life would be back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. about money hi-fi radio and again i'm gonna bore you for a second then we're gonna get exciting okay the boring part is money successfully takes time to accumulate it takes a long time start early stick with the program what i'm referring to is the working part of the program the saving part of the program and the investing part of the program because magically after about 25 years of the program and my good friends hopefully we all live to 85 90 so 25 years truth be told isn't that long um, but once 25 years has passed you watch the money beget more money the magic begins um, and if you're in that state and you're seeing your money compound and producing excess fruit 
Um, not minimum fruit, because that you need to hang on to, but excess fruit. Then you can buy yourself some toys and also share with charity. Don't you ever forget about charity. It's so important when you have to share. But uh, cottage country with COVID-19 is a booming. And, well, if you own lakefront, uh, no point having lakefront without a vessel. And I understand the uh, marina business is doing very, very well. So, uh, Jack, of course, uh, yelled across the pond and uh, lined up uh, Jason Mortimer to join us, Mortimer's Marina. Uh, so, Jack, uh, you got yourself a little uh, putt-putt on the water. Let's start with your boat. Um, how's she running? How's that working out for you this uh, this summer? I had to fix actually a pump this week, Wolf, um, and I was looking for parts, and they weren't so easy to come by. Um, so I had to actually go to a marine mechanic and get a uh, a bolt uh, welded onto it so that I could uh, fasten it back onto my engine. So uh, it's funny right now with the, the virus going around. I was talking to Jay at the marina, uh, and he said spare parts right now are very difficult to get, and the people that have them uh, are hoarding them. So Jay, if you could sort of speak to that, just because, like you said, there's some logistical problems in the marine industry right now, especially with uh, used boats and, and used parts. So there is. It's uh, in addition to that, new boats are, are difficult to come by. The uh, all of the American produced boats over COVID, um, the factories were all shut down and produced PPE supplies. Um, so you know there was a two three month lag in new boat production, um, and they're just ramping up to try to meet demands. And unfortunately, with our short season, it means people, uh, you know, aren't going to get their new boats for the summer. The same kind of ripple effect happened with the parts um, that are being produced in the U.S. predominantly now. Um, very difficult to get your hands on. So anybody who does have stock of it and owns a marina, um, they're kind of holding on to the, you know, the uh, important parts that you go through uh, frequently um, for their own customers. So it's... Um, it's a, it's a bit difficult out there. And with the, the shortage of supply and new boats, from what I hear, it's very difficult to get one, like you said. And talking to the marinas, they're basically sold out of all their inventory. Um, have you seen prices increase in, in the new boats uh, market this year? Or basically, where the, has the stuff been bought sort of at the, the trade shows in the winter, yeah. and then they're just getting del- delivered now? That's right. Most of the, the prices are fixed. So, um, you know, there's no, there's no um, gouging as far as that's concerned. Um, for, for new products, there'll be a standard increase from year to year. What we're trying to do with our um, clients who are interested in new boats is if you, if you anticipate you're going to buy a boat for next year, um, try to lock it in now. You can um, negotiate boat show prices. There's not going to be a boat show this year, likely. We're anticipating right. there won't be. So you can still lock in like a boat show price this time of the year um, you know, and make sure that you get, you get delivery for next summer. Interesting. And the, the other point that you made, because we're talking about logistics and getting used parts, um, was the fact that uh, you know you can't get parts from Quebec, you can't get parts from the U.S. for the most part, or it's difficult, anyways. Um, but Yamaha engines, Yamaha parts, which are actually made in China, because they reopened up earlier, um, you can actually get parts made in China for Yamaha products. That's right. If you have a Yamaha outboard motor. Um, you're more likely to be able to get parts to get it repaired on a, on a timely basis than, uh, than parts that are produced domestically. Just because there, the lag from those parts was later than the Chinese lag, the, the manufacturing started up you know, one or two months earlier in China than, than North America, which is just uh, coinciding perfectly with summer for, for them. So, um, you know, if we were doing a Yamaha boat repair in 
March or April, there, there wasn't a chance you were getting a part. Um, but throughout the summer, it's been uh, they've been more accessible. You listen to Hi-Fi Radio, my good friends. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and get right back to the show about money. And uh, if you have excess, you get to buy yourself some toys and reward yourself. And some of those toys can be pricey. We're going to talk about the price people are spending on their recreational vessels after they make a well, pretty expensive uh, recreational piece of real estate purchase. In other words, it's all getting expensive, but hey, you only live once. You stay tuned to Hi-Fi Radio. More show right up there. Stay with us. There's more show still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Good morning, my friends. Welcome to the show about money. Little Cottage and Bob Cajun would be nice, eh? Yes. Indeed, it would be. Um, but we're speaking with Jason Mortimer. He's up in the uh, Muskoka. No ass on that one. Uh, Mortimer is mar- marina. And uh, Jason, I, I understand off air, you are not just a, a purveyor and uh, a dealer of fine water vessels, but you also um, build what boathouses and cottages. Yeah, it's a construction company, full, full round construction company. So uh, docks, boathouses, cottages, landscaping. Uh, across the board, pretty much. So, Jason, let's let's start. Um, and again, we'll, we'll we'll play around with uh, your backyard, uh, the three finest lakes in the province, I guess. Hey, eh? Rosso, Joe, and uh, Muskoka. Uh, guys, what a, a lot around your hood, 150 feet of frontage, good for what about a million bucks? Just the raw land, if you can find something like that, is that a reasonable number? I'd say that's getting pretty close, depending on. I mean, every property is unique, but ten thousand, ten thousand dollars a foot is what what you're looking for, uh, you know, around Lake Muskoka. Ten thousand a foot of water frontage. Okay, um, so now we're going to put a building on it. Uh, so, uh, throw a number. How big of a building are we going to put on that, and what's it going to cost us for the cottage, and then the boathouse, and then the boat? And is there any money left over for gasoline to get you there? Yeah, no, we're exactly. gonna go electric. No, sorry, we're gonna go electric. We're gonna go. We're gonna save money on gas. We're gonna go Tesla, <laughs> and we're gonna get the put the plug-in station too. I guess you gotta do that for me. Oh my God, what's it gonna cost, Jason? So, if you're looking at building a cottage, I would say, I mean, again, it it varies significantly um, from person to person. But an average cottage, Lake Muskoka, which I'm not sure, or all three lakes, if you can call them really cottages anymore, they're four season um, high-end dwellings. Yeah. There are approximately 3,000, 3,500 square foot footprints. Yeah. Usually multiple levels. I would say like 7,000 square feet probably of living space is a pretty, pretty um, safe average. Uh huh. Um, and on the lake, you're looking, you know, I would say entry level three to $350 a square foot to get you something like that. So let's round up to 400 bucks a foot. You're talking about $2.8 million for the building. That's that's uh, that's probably pretty close. And then we got to go down to the boathouse and 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 uh, build one of those. What's that going to cost us? You, you know, it, it's it, again, it's really difficult to throw numbers at it, and I don't like to use square foot numbers. 
if sure. you're if you're gonna go, you know, mid to high end for let's for go mid. Let's, let's go mid. We don't need to go high end of the yeah, boathouse. You can for two point five you can get yourself a boathouse and a cottage and a dock. Um, you know, without so building that. Two point five would get you a two point five. In fact, it's looking like a good deal all of a sudden. Two point yeah. five million would get me the cottage, the boathouse, the dock. But then Jack's going to take me across the lake to your marina, and I'm going to bring my checkbook and buy a boat off you. And uh, what kind of a vessel do I want to put on that boat? What size of a machine? Uh, what's going to be proper? Would you say? You know, the the Lake Muskoka Trio is a family boat. Uh, wakeboard boat and a runabout. If you have if you have those three, you've got yourself covered for a summer of enjoyment. They uh, they all range in pricing again, but uh, if you're going brand new, entry probably you know a middle of the road family boat's going to cost you a hundred thousand plus. A hundred thousand dollars. You know, they're, they're, I'm going to say there must be some good news in this. Um, on Instagram, an old friend of mine from Cambridge uh, took out his motorboat, um, and he said the, the caption was, fourth generation of fun, and I responded, how old is the boat? And he said, 1967. Very, very impressive. Uh, so if you spend $100,000 on a boat today and you take proper care of it, um, can you get many decades of enjoyment out of it? I would say you probably can, although the new boat's aren't built like the old ones were. But, they, you know, if you're storing it in a boathouse, like many people are in Muskoka, it, um, these boats maintain well, last a really long time. Yeah. How do you keep the beaver out? The beavers? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. There's, I don't think there's any safe answer to that. <laughs> Little critters. They need a place. They've got a beaver problem well. at his cottage. That's why he asked you the question. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> oh my good friends we're out of time we are out of time but certainly not out of ideas and certainly may you never be out of money uh, you don't want to fall short on that front uh, that's what this show is all about Jack and I are here for you each and every weekend so again let's just keep this thing simple gotta go to work you gotta spend less than you make and save and invest do that consistently. Do it for decades. And you know something? If you have a big dream like a place on Lake Muskoka, I bet you can make it happen. I just know you can, but you keep tuning, uh, keep tuning into our show and we'll help you along the way. Any questions for Jack or I, please visit us, WolfgangKlein.com. Uh, we're always here for you, my good friends. I want to wish you a safe weekend, a joyous weekend. Uh, Jason Mortimer, Mortimer's Marina. If you're interested in a boat, a cottage, a dock, a boathouse, he may be your fella to speak with. Uh, Jack has a lot of time for him, as do I. Uh, you can check out Jay. He uh, seems like a great guy. I want to wish you all a good weekend. I want to thank you for your time. Jack, as always, great job, my good friend. Jay, you have a good weekend, too. Okay, pal? You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.